0: Hi, I'm Jenna Lee, a pediatric occupational therapist.
1: And I'm Greg, a doctor of educational psychology.
0: We're husband and wife, parents of four, trying to make evidence-based parenting practices accessible to all.
1: Thanks for joining us as we learn to navigate the happy human life. All right, so we are officially here doing our like first formal episode um, in our... <laughs> packed out studio in our old guest room that is slowly transforming itself into an office space. Um, you know, the the kids are finally on the bus and we now have the time to really dig in here. And I'm just happy to be able to have the time to sit and have some conversations with you, Jenny.
0: I know the kids are at school. We're having a chat. I think by our standards, we might be on a date.
1: Yeah, Oh, this is a date <laughs> and a uh, date by my standards. And I think everyone's here, ready, and excited to get into our first topic, uh, which is all about tantrums, emotional outbursts, meltdowns, and what we can do. Um, it's without a doubt the biggest question that we've gotten from the mm-hmm. people in the happy human community. Uh, we reached out and said, hey, you know, what do you want us to podcast about? And without a doubt, this came up as number one. And the way we want to design these podcast episodes is to have a pretty predictable structure where we're gonna leave you with three actionable tips. So by the time you're done listening, um, you have three easy to go to tools that you can just start using immediately. Um, So with each episode, we're gonna have a learning outcome and the learning outcome for this episode then, by the end of the episode, we'll all better understand our kids' tantrums, emotional outbursts and meltdowns and be better able to manage them by putting the actionable tips that we're gonna be talking about into practice. So before we started recording this episode, we did post some questions on our social media to get some information from uh, those that are following us. And so Jenny, do you want to share those out?
0: Sure. So we asked a couple of questions, one being, how often does your child experience tantrums, emotional outbursts, and or meltdowns? And only 5% of you say that your children never experience tantrums, outbursts, or meltdowns. And I think... You know, Greg and I are both looking at each other, (laughs) questioning that. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) If your child has never experienced one of these, are they really experiencing the full range of emotions that are available to human beings? That's right. (laughs) So that's a topic for another episode. But 95% of you said that your children have experienced one or more of these. 30% of you said occasionally. 65% said frequently to very frequently so we're seeing this a lot
1: yeah it sounds about right and we, we also asked how prepared do you feel when it comes to managing your child's tantrums and emotional outbursts right they're they're happening occasionally if not frequently uh, and 83% of you responded that you don't really feel that prepared or just at minimally somewhat prepared to manage them and so that's why we're here talking about it in our first episode right
0: Right. So we plan to continue surveying you guys before recording each episode. So head on over to our stories on Instagram or Facebook and follow along. We would love to hear your two cents.
1: Yeah. So to dig into the topic for today, we're going to start by sharing out a question that we've gotten from one of our Happy Human community members.
0: So we have a community member. His name is Matt. And he said, we're the parents of a three and five year old. The oldest has always been very sweet, kind, and loving, but she's in this I want everything phase. She's having a hard time understanding no, and it's been triggering these immense episodes of anger to the point of hitting, stomping, throwing objects, etc. Additionally, our three-year-old observes this behavior and has started to mimic them. We've tried multiple tactics to try to control the episodes, like avoiding the word no altogether, taking deep breaths, sitting with her, offering loving hugs, soft words, but nothing seems to work consistently. My wife and I are at odds here and are seeking advice on better ways to handle the situation for both of our children.
1: Yeah, we're right there with you, Matt. (laughs) I mean, again, all of us are probably listening to Matt's story and really having that sense of relatedness. Um, And so we do get messages, again, on this topic about this pretty much on a daily basis now Um again we've got our four kids you know ages 2 to 11 we are experiencing it daily ourselves it is a horror show over here much of the time um, but yeah you know we're here to talk about some tips
0: it was actually hard to pick a story from a member because there were so many great ones that we wanted to use for this episode so okay. just know you're not alone yep you're in good company Matt yeah. <laughs> Before we dig into the actionable tips that we mentioned before, it's important to understand that we are just seeing the tip of the iceberg when we observe our kids' behaviors. What's most important is that we attempt to discover the underlying causes of these reactions and provide support and build coping strategies. All of our children are learning to navigate their emotions and sensory experiences. Our children are born with all of these emotions. And none of the coping skills, right?
1: Yeah, say that one more time. I'm going to
0: repeat that again <laughs> because it's really important. Our children are born with all of these emotions and zero coping skills. Yeah,
1: and I think what's I mean, it's kind of tough to reflect on, but... I think about how often both I and you—sorry to put the spotlight on you—I speak for you—but you know we are struggling with this ourselves, and to kind of put these expectations on our kids to have these skills that e- that we even as these almost forty-year-old adults haven't quite developed—is again, it's kind of an eye-opener when you realize uh, kind of the the bigger picture of it all and where much of the work needs to be done. Uh, but at the end of the day, we need to understand that children have underdeveloped frontal lobes, and that's our centers for emotional regulation. Um, You know, they might be having these tantrums, emotional outbursts, uh, these meltdowns become a, because of a number of triggers. They might be hungry. They might be tired. It might be sensory overload. Any sort of transition can be a trigger. And so much of the time, you know, if we just take a big step back and try to Play detective, try to figure out what might be triggering the meltdown. Um, that's often a, a really good first strategy. However, it's not one of the three that we're going to be sharing today. So we'll talk more about playing detective on a different day. And, uh, you know, just to mention, when we were drafting the outline for this episode and what tips we wanted to share, we had like what? Like, I don't know, 20, Twenty-five, like thirty tips. So it was
0: very overwhelming. Yeah,
1: and so to pick just the three that we're going to share with you today was a challenge in itself. But uh, again, if you we plan to, this is you know our first big episode. Um, We plan to keep on doing this to help ourselves and you all grow. So stick with us, and uh, yeah, over time we will drip every single idea that we have out to you. So you ready to get into this? I'm ready. Let's dig into (laughs) tip number one, which is connect through validation.
0: I'm going to tell a little story about our eight-year-old, and she was invited to a friend's birthday party. It was at a local dance studio, but she was unfamiliar with the place, even though she's, you know, she's been dancing. She's known this particular friend since about age four when they played soccer together. They've been in class together. They participated in Girl Scouts. So she really knows this child very well. We didn't know who else was invited to the party, but I reassured her that she would know most of the people there. So picture this. The party was about to start at 11. At 1045, she was still curled up in our bed in her pajamas. Mm -hmm. I can laugh about it now, but it wasn't funny. (laughs) No. (laughs) Saying she wasn't going to go and that she was scared. She was crying refusing my every attempt to practically drag her out of bed. So, you know, that was the wrong approach there. I was anxious about getting there on time. I wanted her to be ready now.
1: Yeah. And I think just to kind of pause you there for a second, we need to recognize just how big of a factor that is, right? When we allow ourselves to get dysregulated, it can only kind of coescalate things and mm-hmm. again I'm assuming much of you out there are just like us where the moment you you know you start to see your kid kind of beginning to have that tantrum or meltdown it kind of serves as a trigger and you know it's even worse when you've got some place to be and you're on the clock that kind of your own dysregulation dis- is just so likely to kind of come into play and co-escalate things but we all know very well that the version of us that's able to Take some deep breaths and keep our cool will help them cool down too, right Uh, through co-regulation.
0: Well, I think like we were all raised with that, like fix it or or make it stop mentality. So when we can't do that and get that immediate reaction, we sort of lose our
1: cool. Yeah, we get frustrated and we're triggered. Things start to spiral. Right. So what did you do in this moment, though?
0: So looking back at that tip, connect through validation my first step was to really step back and regulate myself, right? I took a couple of deep breaths. I said something like, she's not trying to give me a hard time, she's having a hard time. And that was really powerful. Yeah. Once I was able to, you know, you talk about this getting wrapped up in it. Mm-hmm. We're sort of wrapped up in this storm. Once I was able to calm my own storm is when things really started to shift for us. Yeah it became less about this sort of like me against her and we became a team. Yeah, it's
1: like a total shift in perspective that just changes everything.
0: Right. So plain and simple, I used validation and reflective listening, which opened up this door to problem solving together as a team. We really need to recognize that our kids lack all of the skills to regulate and manage their emotions. It doesn't mean they, you know, at her age, at eight, she has some skills, but she doesn't have all of them. Mm -hmm. So she really needed my support. I was able to paraphrase how I thought she was feeling based on her exact words and I tried to show understanding. So just to give you an example, I said something like, it's okay to feel scared, your feelings are important, and I'm here to listen, and I'm here to help.
1: Yeah, and so taking that time to just calmly validate her is like putting a cap on that Mm -hmm. rising emotional temperature that both of you were feeling, right? The moment you bring in that connection, it helps her feel understood and supported, which in all of this is just going to help her better manage her emotions.
0: Exactly. It was almost like I was lending her my regulation. What some of you you might know as co-regulation, which is sort of a stepping stone to self-regulation when we were both calm. I was then able to do the problem solving with her. If I was wrapped up in that storm, there's no problem solving happening for either of us, right? We're just both getting dysregulated and it's building and building and building. So I said something like, would it be helpful if I texted your friend's mom and asked who was going to the party? And she said yes. And I wasn't sure if it would work. And of course, I was uncomfortable. This was minutes before the party, but the friend's mom immediately got back to me. And if you're listening, you know who you are. Thank you. (laughs) Save the day. I was able to read off the names to our daughter, and she jumped out of bed and started getting dressed. She just needed more information and support. Had I not empathized and digged to really find out what was going on, again, that iceberg, what was going on beneath that crying, and I'm scared, she would probably still be in that bed.
1: Yeah, and so the idea (laughs) here with actionable tip number one, connecting through validation helps us all regulate together. And when we're calm, that's what allows us to access the problem-solving centers of their brain, right? Mm -hmm. Those those frontal lobes that are responsible for emotional regulation are also responsible for logic, planning, decision-making. And the connecting through validation calms us down so we can then Solve the problem,
0: right? And I know you said we weren't going to talk about playing detective, yeah. But that's basically once I was regulated, that's yeah. what I was able to do. Yep. I was able to dig deeper and figure out what was really going on with her. So absolutely, that was added added bonus for yeah, you guys. Bonus tip. We're going to end up sharing like eighty tips in this episode. It's, be it's like hard. Three hours n- long. It's hard not to. Yeah, no, it's true. So moving on to our next tip, which is empower them with choice. So all of you with toddlers, yeah listen up.
1: Yeah. And so again, we had that pretty massive list of tips to share. And uh, the one that I've been using the most recently, and again, it's mostly with our two-year-old, but I, I use it quite a bit with our six-year-old and even our eight and 11-year-old mm. is we empower them with choice. And so to ground this conversation, I want to share a story about uh, taking our two-year-old to daycare um, recently. So it was time to go, you know, got to get there for the start of, uh, start of the day. And he did not want to get into that car. He did not want to get into his car seat. Literally, on the floor of our garage, screaming, wailing, no, like the, as you've all been there, the 10 out of 10 on the emotional outburst tantrum scale.
0: So I'm guessing, did you maybe connect through validation?
1: (laughs) I did. And so I got to say, like, this time, yes. And so in the context of this story, uh, I was able to show up, uh, you know, using actionable tip number one. But, you know, just to be clear, um, that's not always the case, right? Again, I just, we don't want to come across as these model parents who are doing it right all the time. Much of the time, I get dysregulated right along with them and it just spirals down until we're all sobbing in the corner. Um, But this time I was able to show up as the dad that I'm trying to be. So, you know, again, he's uh, 10 out of 10 screaming. I got down really close to him And I brought my voice down to a whisper very much like this. And I whispered pretty close to his ear. And so I I tried to wait, you know, in between screams to kind of cut down on the background noise. But I whispered something like, I hear you, buddy. You do not want to get in your seat and go to school. You're frustrated. And I understand. And so the moment I started whispering, I immediately noticed his volume kind of coming down. It's almost as if in order to hear what I was saying, he had to start to scale back uh, his own screaming. Um, but just that one line kind of kick-started that whole connection through validation. Um, again, his, this idea that he's feeling heard, he's feeling uh, supported and understood. And you know, it wasn't right away. I, don't, I wasn't keeping time on my watch, but it took let's say a minute or two, and he calmed down enough for us to solve the problem. And that's where the tip number two comes into play. I empowered him with choice. And so the way this works, we wanna give our kids two choices within appropriate boundaries, right? So I said to him, all right, man, we have to go to school. So you can either one, get into the car on your own, or two, I can help you. And what happened was he immediately kind of got up and said, okay, And just climbed into the car.
0: So you basically, you gave him a choice which prevented that power struggle. So we're making an assumption here that it was more about him, you know, needing to fulfill this sense of autonomy, independence, being in control, something that we want to see happen developmentally for our toddlers. You know, it's hard for us to deal with in the moment. But if we weren't seeing those things, we would wonder, you know, why not? children really should be trying to assert their autonomy at this age. Yeah. And what you did was you you set a boundary and you were able to fulfill a need for him, which was to have a sense of control and safety and understanding. And really, it was a, a win-win.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, the way it works with these choices, we want to make sure that with both choices, we're happy with the outcome, right? You know, at, at the end of both of those, either you get into the seat on your own or I you know help you he's in his seat so it's it's a total win for me and i think the key factor here with with younger children is exactly this idea of you know tapping into that need for autonomy that they have they want to be able to make their own decisions and be in control so you offer up that first choice which allows them to flex that control to really demonstrate their autonomy They're probably going to lean towards that one. But then they hear option number two where it's like, listen, I'm going to I'm going to pick you up and put you in the seat. And by no uh, way am I saying we need to be doing that. Like roughly all of this happens very calmly, very regulated. Well, it
0: sounds like you were very neutral, too. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you have two choices. You set a you set a firm boundary, you can do it yourself or I can help you.
1: Exactly. Right. There's no
0: right or wrong answer. No right or wrong.
1: I don't care which way you go. That's it. And (laughs) so, uh, you know, in this instance, he made the choice. Okay, you're I'm going to do this on my own. He got up, got in the car and that kind of sealed it. And so I just want to point out that this step number two, empowering them with choice. We want to make sure we're doing that after we've first helped them regulate. And so let's say we're using the connection through validation technique or or some other strategy that we'll talk about in the future. The idea here is, you know, if they're super dysregulated, you don't want to come at them with choice. That's, we need to first get them to at least start to move the needle towards regulation. I'm not saying we all have to be super, you know, calm and and peaceful before you throw in this option, but you definitely don't want to be doing it while they're kicking and screaming.
0: Right. Or while you're kicking and screaming. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Calm yourself down first before you attempt any of these strategies. And
1: so, you know, we have our meltdown management guide that uh, people can, you Mm -hmm. know, get as a a gift, we call it, when they sign up for the Happy Human community at happyhumanlife.org. Step number one on that is regulate. You know, everything we're going to share throughout the history of this podcast, however long it lasts, step one is always going to be to regulate yourself. You know, anything moving forward is going to be a much less efficient and useful and successful strategy if you're trying to use it from a dysregulated state.
0: Mm -hmm. That leads us into our third and final tip of the day, which is to be proactive. And really, this is the most important tip of them all, right?
1: And so what's funny is like (sighs) Jenny wanted to lead off with this tip. Um, I actually wanted to push it towards the end because it's the one that you know, isn't one of those strategies that you use in the moment, you know, tip number one, where we connect through validation and tip number two, where we empower with choice, like the meltdown's happening and you're using these strategies to kind of overcome the meltdown. Whereas this tip number three requires you to put in work outside Mm -hmm. of the meltdown. And I figured that would kind of turn a lot of people off. (laughs) So I wanted to push it to the end, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, being proactive, makes it so these things happen less often so though it's not a solution to use in the moment using it outside the moment has it so these moments happen less
0: right this is where we're able to teach those skills that we were talking about that our children and maybe we're also lacking right that's right so being proactive using five-minute play now what's five-minute play i'm going to explain all of that to you but first i have a little story every once in a while we hear something like this in our house Mommy, can you put your phone away? Mm -hmm. I mean, how many times have we all heard this, right? It's heartbreaking. Sometimes it's frustrating. But when they clearly see us giving our attention to our phones and not them, it hurts, right? Think about when your partner does it. Greg and I will be laying in bed sometimes and he pulls out his phone and I might have my phone out too. And the minute I put my phone away, I look at him and I'm like, why is he on his phone? Why are you on your phone? (laughs) I know we were both just on our phones, but I'm done now. So put yours away. Yeah. And I think,
1: I think what's the most challenging with the kids, at least, you know, these days we're doing a lot of work on our phones. It's not always sitting there flipping through, uh, scrolling through social Um, yeah, we're writing work emails or doing something now happy human related. And so it's just tough because they don't necessarily see it as mom and dad doing work. They just see it as mom and dad giving attention to their device instead of me. And so it's just, it lends to a lot of hurt really all around.
0: Right. But when we do put our phones down, we truly never regret it. Never. Never. Um, so one day when this happened, I actually set a five minute play timer and i put my phone away
1: okay so actionable tip number three we're being proactive using this five minute play dig into it john
0: so basically we shoot for just about five minutes a day of one-on-one time with each of our kids right so phones are away i might say something like i'm gonna turn my phone off for the next five minutes we can play anything that you want that doesn't include technology now, this is how we do it in our house, but maybe you connect through tech, especially our neurodivergent friends. I know, you know, Greg, you love to connect with the girls playing Video games. Yep. What was the name of that?
1: What, oh, that's <laughs> the the Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time, <laughs> Nintendo sixty four, classic, best game in the world.
0: Right. So they're <laughs> they're playing this game, and you know they're reading what's on the screen. They're talking to one another. So clearly they're they're connecting through this type of play. So I'm not here to judge anyone. I'm just telling you sort of what. I've learned and what's been best practice for me. But you totally you make your judgment call on this one. You know, your family, you know, yourself, you know, your children. Yeah. Basically, we're creating a safe play environment. And at this time, I'm really trying to follow my child's lead. Right. So in this example, my daughter wanted to play with magnetiles. I watched. Maybe I made a comment like, oh, wow, you're being an architect. Or I commented on her color and style choices. Basically, I used words of encouragement or I simply commented on what she was doing. You can literally just say what your child is doing and you will be engaging in five-minute play. It doesn't need to be complicated. You don't need to overthink it. Another tip is that we're really, we're not asking questions right. during don't, this don't time. Don't put them on the spot. Exactly. Nobody likes that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm mimicking what she's doing. Maybe I'm adding on to the play. I might feel like this is a teachable moment. I'm showing her that what she's doing really matters. I'm showing her that I'm interested, right? Yeah, Nothing there. else matters more than this time with her.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It really is a great time to build on skills that we would like to see in our kids. So this is the time when they're regulated, right? This is when we can teach skills. When they're having tantrums, emotional outbursts, or meltdowns, that is not the time to teach skills. Yeah. This is the time, right? This is when we can actually practice these coping skills through play. So, you know, Greg's example of our son having a hard time transitioning into, you know, to getting into the car. Maybe your child has a hard time transitioning into school in the mornings, you can play out these different scenarios using trucks or, you know, another favorite toy.
1: It's so true. You, you bring in those. Again, once you do a little bit of that detective work and you're noticing the triggers, the moment you're in this five-minute play, like Jenny was saying, if we're regulated... Again, those brain channels are wide open for learning. And that's why play is the best place to learn, right? If we're dysregulated, those frontal lobes are, sh- are offline. You're using the primal parts of your brain just to survive. You're not learning any skills in those moments. You're, again, just trying to survive. So during five-minute play, those learning channels, wide open. Again, you could really apply this to any form of play where you bring in those relevant themes scenarios Mm -hmm. and just work through them in ways that you kind of want to see play out in the real world i mean our kids are always seeking connection and this five-minute play and and what's funny is you know we say five-minute play but in all reality sometimes for me This is one minute or two minute play. It's whatever I've got to offer. Uh, Five minutes doesn't seem like that much, but let's be real. When you've got a bunch of kids and other responsibilities, you might not have five minutes. But if I can squeeze in a minute, if I can squeeze in two minutes of just being fully present to connect with them, I mean, it's all an investment in our relationship and in building their ability to be emotionally intelligent and resilient, which over time is going to decrease the frequency and duration of these tantrums outbursts and meltdowns.
0: Right. Every little bit adds up. Yeah. Basically what you're talking about here is building this parent-child bond, mm-hmm. right? So this takes practice, this takes time. It's not something that happens overnight. So, let's do a practice together. I want everyone to take out your phone. You and me. That's you. You too. Okay. Take it out. <laughs> I'll wait. All right, I got it. If you're driving, maybe yeah, don't true. don't do this pull over or right. wait you can wait till you get home. I give you permission. <laughs> So every day, say 5 p.m. or another time that's convenient when you're with your children, you're going to set a timer that says five minute play or put away my phone or you can put your child's name in there and you're going to try your best to stay present, even if it's just for two, three, four, five minutes, whatever you can invest in that day and just trust in the power of play.
1: Yeah. Go over there. Ask them what they're doing. Say, "Can I play?" and let them lead. Like, you know, like you were saying, you don't have to do anything other than really be there. If you're there, if you're enthusiastic, if you're making, uh, you know, if you're making it clear that you are paying attention to the things that they and you are doing together, uh, just describing what's happening at bare minimum, you're doing it right.
0: You're observing and you think what they're doing is really cool. It is. And it is really (laughs) cool, right?
1: Take that mindset. uh, You know, fake it till you make it if you have to. But um, I always try imagining the neurons in their brains firing like mad when they're doing any sort of play. and, And kind of seeing that happen for me helps me just recognize how fantastic it all really is.
0: We really have to do an episode about kids and learning through play. Yeah. If, and the, how, if and the community if, and how many it. less repetitions kids need so when they learn something in play in comparison to you know like doing a paper pencil task yeah it's, for a, example. it's absolutely it's, nuts
1: yeah uh, but yeah so we'll we'll launch out to the community what you want us to talk about and uh, we know we don't want to be the ones driving the content of this podcast we literally want it to be all from you all and what you want to be hearing mm-hmm. so if you're a part of the community you'll get our emails where we're asking for feedback please don't hesitate to share the things you want to be talking about because yeah, we want to meet you where you're at. All right. So we've shared three tips today. We are officially at the conclusion of our very first real podcast episode. This is kind of... If
0: you made it go, this yeah. far, thank you. Yeah, I mean, you know, we
1: apologize if this on your end comes across as really kind of, I don't know, unpolished, but you know, give us some time. We'll fall into a groove here. Uh, but yeah, to summarize those three tips that we talked about today, number one, connection through validation number two, empowering them with choice, and number three, being proactive using that five-minute play.
0: Right, and just to reiterate, this five-minute play, anytime we're being proactive and we're regulated, this is when we're teaching skills.
1: Yeah, and it's those skills that are just, again, if you really want help with meltdowns and tantrums, it's helping them build the skills outside of those moments. So if you found value listening to this podcast today, Please head over to happyhumanlife.org, sign up to be a part of the happy human community. It's no cost at all to be a part of it. Um, basically, it just puts you on our email list, and this is where we uh, answer questions from the community and seek feedback about what happy human life should be. Because uh, again, we're really into this whole parenting thing, we're working really hard on being better ourselves, and you know, we've only been sharing content for a little under a year now. Mm-hmm. And it has been probably one of the most rewarding things I think that either of us have ever experienced being able to share out what we think we know with the idea that we may be helping you. Um, so, and I think we've y- seen
0: the changes in our own family oh, God, yeah. as well, honestly. Yeah, it the- doesn't mean every day is easy. It's certainly far from easy, but we're seeing growth.
1: Yeah. I mean, the fact that, you know, sharing out this content is just forcing us to be more mindful of these things. And anytime you spend more time in that kind of space, that's just where your brain's gonna grow towards. And so uh, we're gonna keep making content. Um,
0: Yeah, so looking ahead, our next episode, which was decided by you guys, is titled Building Resilience in Our Children, Nurturing Emotional Strength and Coping Skills. I mean, this
1: is exactly what we're talking about, right? So this is gonna lead into being proactive. What can we do to help build those resilient kids who have meltdowns less often?
0: We want to thank you for being here. We had so much fun. We got to go on a date, this right? Been, Look at us. I'm just happy. We're getting I'm a happy out there right now. Doing this podcast, it gives us time to spend together talking about the things we care about most. So, thanks for encouraging this.
1: Yes, and so we're going to end each episode with kind of a mantra message. This is the idea. Um, so, bear with me as I as I walk through this. Feel free to pull out a journal, write <sighs> yeah, it down, that's true.
0: say it back to yourself throughout the week.
1: I want everyone to remember, being a parent is hard. We're going to make mistakes, but we're also going to learn from them. We are strong, resilient, and motivated to grow. We just need to keep moving forward. I was love that. That. Was that good? I love yeah, it. Thank you. All
0: right. All right. We'll see you next time.
1: Right, take care.